Hi everyone, I'm Andrew Sims. And I'm Laura Thompson. We're both from MuggleCast, one of the top Harry Potter podcasts online. As most of you may know, December 5th is Darfur Fast. On that day, thousands of students from all over the world give up luxury items like Starbucks drinks or something else that they get in their daily lives. The situation in the Darfur region of Sudan is nothing short of disgusting. Millions have been driven from their homes into refugee camps, and even more have been killed in the mass genocide of the region. Darfur Fest is organized by the HP Alliance, a coalition of Harry Potter websites and wizard rock bands concerned with ending the genocide in Darfur. MuggleCast wants to help out, so Laura and I are going to participate in Darfur Fest. On December 5th, I will be giving up a Netflix movie subscription for the month of December. This will save $25 and go to charity. And I myself am a huge Chick-fil-A fan. I'll be giving up the meals for a week, which in my school also adds up to $25. Together, that $50 donation will go to the Civilian Protection Program, but we need your help. Visit the HP Alliance org backslash darfur fast all one word and make a donation today thanks today's podcast is also brought to you by audible.com the internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment what are you listening to after today's episode how about a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up log on to www.audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast today for details Hey, Mason, I really need a good gift for my generic loved one. Any ideas? Oh, yeah, Andrew. I have the gift they need. If you sign up for GoDaddy's Economy Blogcast Package, you'll receive 1 gig of disk space, 100 gigs bandwidth, recording tools, and much more. Whoa, with all those features, I'd guess that kind of package will run me at least $20 a month and be plastered with ads. You're wrong, Andrew. The Blogcast Economy Package is just $4.49 a month for 12 months. That's a deal and a perfect way to get your own website, blog, or podcast started. Ooh, yeah, that is a deal. Plus... Enter code Muggle when you check out. Save an additional 10% on any order. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. Because Laura is all about positioning, this is MuggleCast episode 122 for December 2nd, 2007. Guess what? Chapter by chapter was met with reviews that weren't negative, everyone. Yay! That's so good. And uh, I'm just going to go right out there and say Laura was not a fan of bringing it back. Okay. Not a fan. Okay, I wasn't because of the reaction that it got last time, but I think that it sounds like you guys really changed it up, so I'll be the first to step up and say I was wrong. I'm humble. I can Say you were wrong and you were late. I, okay, excuse me, for the past two years of my life, I can't count the amount of times I've had to sit around and wait for all of you. So because I was out being social on Friday, it's not even 8 o'clock yet, so get over it. Okay, the night is young. I don't go out till 1 a.m. every night. I'm out till like 8 in the morning, Saturday. And by out, you mean fall you- asleep. No. no where, do you, where do you go? No, I go out. I go to, I go to parties. Right. Wait, you don't know anybody. Wait, who are you, mystery voice? <laughs> <laughs> Joining us this week, besides Andy. Hey, Andy. Hi. 
is Matt Britton, a MuggleCast transcriber who's not going to talk much because the more he talks, the more he has to transcribe. So, oh, that's right. You're not going to hear from much. Matt, where are you from? I'm from San Diego, California. That's not where you're from, though. That's just where you I are. I swear, right I'm going to. Okay. Well, what do you want me? What do you want me to say? Um, never mind. That's okay. Um, so everyone, we got a gr- good show for everyone today. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Mike Tannenbaum. I'm Andy McRae. And I'm Matt Britton. Micah Tannenbaum is in the MuggleCast News Center with past week's top Harry Potter news stories. Hey, Micah. All right. Thanks, Andrew. According to an article in USA Today, Quidditch is the latest sport being played in colleges across the U.S. The first intercollegiate match was held earlier this month. One student from Middlebury College in Vermont said Quidditch is one of the most creative things that came out of the books. We were able to create that here, follow all the rules except the ability to fly. It just caught on. In order to make the game work, the snitch is replaced by a young man who runs around the pitch at lightning speed, and although the players obviously lack the ability to fly, brooms are still carried around for show. These, in fact, have been supplied by Olivon's MuggleNet's primary sponsor. This modified version of the sport has been described as a cross between rugby, dodgeball, and soccer. On December the 13th, the Tales of Beetle the Bard, a book written by J.K. Rowling, for the Children's Voice charity will be auctioned off by Sotheby's. And speaking of the Harry Potter author, the Trefoil House has received a signed copy of Deathly Hollows for auction. The book will be raffled as part of the annual Christmas Bonanza, an event where people can come and buy presents they would not normally find in mainstream shops. The event is being held at the Edinburgh Corn Exchange on December 4th and 5th. Finally, Entertainment Weekly has placed Harry Potter film producer David Heyman at number 9 on a list of the 50 smartest people in Hollywood. The article read, he has expertly steered the highest grossing global franchise in film history. Heyman secured the rights to the Harry Potter books in 1997 and has done just about everything right since, including bonding with author J.K. Rowling and wisely seeking her input. He helped find unexpected directors, Alfonso Cuaron and David Yates, who've kept things fresh. And he's kept the cast intact through five films without any of his three teenage stars succumbing to a Lohan-esque episode. While Warner Brothers president Alan Horn deserves credit for making the correct macro decisions, the franchise's success rests on a thousand micro-choices Heyman made, including creating a world on set and on screen where people want to be. That's all the news for this December 2nd, 2007 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show. All right. Thank you, Micah. You're welcome. Mike, it was a slow news week. It was. We keep um, rotating back and forth. We get big news weeks, and then it dies down for a long period of time. It's like a seesaw. It is like a seesaw. What? Yeah. Today we were on the ground. We were on the we were on the lower part of the seesaw. We we're the bigger kid this week. On the seesaw. Okay. We're that bully. Okay, never mind. That's enough. Yeah, you fail. Um, I just want to bring up uh, Tales of Beetle the Bard. It was displayed, it was on display on Good Morning America. 
uh, ABC's morning news program. And uh, there's a video online courtesy of HP A&A. And basically, uh, they actually have a copy of the book, and it looks thick. Have you guys seen this video? Yeah. It looks yeah. awesome. Yeah, it really yeah, does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's funny. All the hosts were holding gloves because I guess uh, Sotheby's, that's how you pronounce it, right? Sotheby's? Yep. So. They were... Um, they, you know, their guys are probably off stage being like, be really careful with this. But they were all holding gloves and they were going through the book. Um, it looks fantastic, though. You just want to get your hands on it. Yeah. But you won't. <laughs> and let's see, like $100,000. But you know what I did last week? What? I ordered um, a catalog for the, the Tales of Beetle the Bard catalog direct from Sotheby's. And what it has inside of it, I got it a couple of days ago. What it has inside of it is last, lots of artistic pictures of the book. And it's really cool because it has the intro page um, that Joe wrote. It's sort of a message to the uh, the buyer. And it says at the end, so to whoever now owns this book, thank you and fair fortune be yours. Um, and then if you just page through the rest of this book, I mean... Is a beautiful picture of Joe, and it, it's really well done. It's like the co- the cover is imprinted. You know, like how goosebumps when you rub your finger up against the title, right? You can like feel mm-hmm. the title. Yeah, it's like it's like that, and um, just a cool little catalog. You guys should buy it. It's nineteen ninety five or something like that, and the proceeds go to uh, a charity. The the drawings are really nice. Um, J.K. Rowling's a pretty good artist, isn't she? Yeah, and and to think that she actually hand hand drew seven of these. Yeah, along with writing the story. I mean, it's crazy. And then it's going to be bound by a, a separate company. And there's a picture in in this catalog of the uh, the craftsmen making the covers for these books. But just fantastic. And yeah, man, the the art is really nice. Um, there is some big news this week that wasn't posted on MuggleNet or really anywhere else. Happy two year anniversary to the MCFC KYGQXY asterisk ampersand question mark C. <laughs> It's the uh, MuggleCast fan <laughs> chat cast. I'm just kidding. It's actually just MCFCCKYQ. And uh, they started as a podcast that was about this podcast. And um, now, wasn't it, was it a- about a chat room? It was a podcast about a chat room about a podcast. Wasn't that it? Something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. It was just like a little fan community podcast. Uh, it was pretty cool. I think even a couple of us were on. I think Jamie and I were on their show for an interview like a year and a half ago. I think Eric might have been too. I'm not sure. <laughs> we just want to say happy two-year anniversary to them. Well, I just thought I'd bring up that David Heyman was named the ninth smartest person in Hollywood by Entertainment Weekly. And I thought that was uh, kind of cool. I mean, he's ranking up there with some high individuals, including Steven Spielberg, who comes in at number two. Um Number one is actually, let's see here, Judd Apatow. And, really? Uh, he he directed Forty Year Old Version and Knocked Up, as well as Super Bad. Do you know this guy, Matt? I've never heard of him. Yeah, he's um he's the guy who did um uh, that uh, TV show uh, Fre- Freaks and Geeks. Oh, what is that? What show is that? Um, well, it was canceled, but oh, it was it was it was apparently really good. Why is it that I'm failing ne- to see how this guy came in above Heyman? Like, yeah. is it just me? I don't, I don't get it. Well, no, he came above Steven Spielberg yeah. too. He's number one. How? Wait, what was that above? Happen? What was that show called? Freaks and uh, Geeks. Freaks and Geeks. 
And it was canceled. Yeah, it was like canceled after one season, but it's it's become a cult classic. A lot of people love the show. Entertainment really Weekly says, industry. yeah. Well, Entertainment <laughs> Weekly says smart because this year he didn't just bring the funny; he changed the whole funny business. Then they go into a whole thing about you know explaining that. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. We were just talking about this the other day about David Heyman, how 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 great of a guy he is to be managing this entire Harry Potter production for the past seven or eight years now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that whole production is a huge thing. He oversees almost all of it and just right. sticking with it and, and loving it. You know, he deserves a lot of credit. And he's been credited. It's aged him terribly. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Could you, could you just imagine how much sleep he gets? <laughs> and he's got a hot wife. <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought he looked like he was... Well, I don't want to, well, like, put myself into a weird position here, but I thought he looked okay. Like, I don't think he looks aged. <laughs> you don't want to put yourself in a weird position, <laughs> but you think he looks okay. I don't want to be like, oh, you think David Heyman's hot? Because... Well, never mind. <laughs> we, would, we wouldn't put ourselves in a weird position for it. Yeah, and, yeah, keep your positioning to yourself, Laura, please. Yeah. No, shut up. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> okay, well, um, moving on to some announcements now. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded and play back anywhere, just like MuggleCast. On the Summer Road Tour, the co-host and I listen to a few audiobooks from Audible to pass the time. It is a fantastic listening experience and is a great way to do some reading. Log on to www.audiblepodcast.com slash MuggleCast to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Again, go to www.audiblepodcast.com slash MuggleCast for your free audiobook. Uh, the Wall of Fame that we started, we opened up a few weeks ago, is now complete, as we consider it. Go to MuggleCast.com, and at the top there's a banner that says MuggleCast Wall of Fame. And there you will find our favorite episodes and the favorite episodes voted on by the fans. Uh, one of the big ones that was voted on by everyone was episode 59, I think it was, Time to Talk Time. And... When we saw those emails, I was like, well, I remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was a really good episode. We had completely forgotten yeah, about it. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten about it, but we got into some very um, circular discussions on that. Yeah. Was, was really that the though. one where Kevin and Jamie kept going back and forth trying to uh, It sounds talk about, like something oh, they would that go was back it. and forth yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People said that was one, a very funny show for such a for such a deep discussion, and we also pulled off the discussion well. Um, some other episodes voted on were um, episode 20, where we discussed Hermione. Um, episode, 50, oh no, f- episode 59 was Time to Talk Time. Uh, and there's a few others in that list. And what's going to happen from now on is whenever the listeners see an episode that really stands out to you guys... Or stands out to us. If it stands out to us, we'll we'll put it in. We see a lot of good feedback. But whenever the listeners see a good episode and we don't put it in, if everyone could like make a giant Facebook group or one of those online petitions and be like, we think this should be in the wall of fame and you know, to get our attention and then we'll do it. Because every episode we can't have like five or six listeners emailing and be like, Yeah, I think that was wall of fame worthy. So 
this is basically just a collection for us to look back on and recommend to new listeners, you know, if they want to see some of our best work. Laura, what is going on in your old hometown of Dallas well, next year? As many of you know, the Portis Convention is going on, sponsored by HPEF. And uh, we recently found out that we're going. Yay! Yay! <laughs> it's so exciting. When I found we out, are going- I'm going home, so- everybody. I'm going home. This is a live show. I'd bring up that song by, uh, what's that American Idol guy? I don't know. I'm going. Yeah, yeah, Chris Daughtry. Thank you. Um, yeah, so Portis 2008, hp2008.org in Dallas, Texas from July 10th to the 13th. Um, they are doing something called the Podcast Palooza, or as I like to call it, the Potter Podcast Palooza at Portis Pickles. This is, um, this Palooza they're doing, it's going to be a whole night of podcasting, and what's going to happen is we're going to have our own time slot to do our show, and then there's going to be a bunch of other podcasts doing their own shows all in one night, At that, and then at the end it's going to end with a big roundtable of podcasters discussing Harry Potter podcasting, so it's a great idea, it's going to be a lot of fun. Visit hp2008.org and register up, and uh, we'll provide more details as they come along. We don't know which other podcasts are going to be there yet um, besides us, but we can say we will be there doing a podcast. I think it's the Friday of Portis, um, so I think that's July 11th. So uh, more news to follow about that. And lastly, just a little side note, we have some new holiday album art for MuggleCast because we do that every year, and uh, be sure to check it out because it's fun. Yeah. Of course. Are we yeah. going to put up those pictures again? We usually put up every year the ones sure, by uh, Kelly Egan. Yes, Kelly Egan. Put him up, Micah. Done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, it's time to move on to Muggle Mail now. Let's get to the first email. All right, our first Muggle Mail comes from Desiree, 17 of San Antonio, Texas. She writes, hey, guys, I was just listening to MuggleCast 121, and you were discussing Harry Potter and getting kids to read. The series did get me to start reading, and I have since moved on to other series and great authors. But the reason I'm writing is because lately there has been a lot to talk about a different series taking the limelight away from Harry. I'm talking about the Twilight series by Stephanie Meyer. Many news sources were calling the series the next Harry Potter just because of the amount of fans it gained in the past few years, and especially when it took Deathly Hallows' top spot upon release. They are even in pre-production of a movie for the first novel in the series. So I'm basically wondering whether you think that a new buzz like this could draw attention away from such a huge franchise. I'm personally a big fan of both series, but Harry Potter will always be my number one since it got me to where I am. Am now. No. No. Yeah. Mm. No. I don't know. Can I just say the amount of book series that I've heard being called the next Harry Potter? I don't know. I don't really buy it. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people are Twilight fans. Um, and I think that I think that it's definitely. I mean, it's got huge potential to have the kind of following that Harry Potter has, but I don't think it's going to take away from the franchise. Because Harry Potter is just one of those things that, like, even people who don't read Harry Potter know what Harry Potter is. Right. And and there's fandoms that are all going to go and flock to this film. I'm sure there's a big Twilight following. But nothing can beat Harry Potter's. And the Harry Potter fandom is never going to change. They're never going to be like, oh, forget Harry Potter. We have Twilight now. You know? Because Harry Potter's not dead yet. There's still a few more exciting things to come. Well, and but... There may be a time when that happens too. I mean, look what happened to Star Trek with Star Wars. 
I mean, Star Trek was the big thing. Everyone, everybody was a huge fan of Star Trek, and then Star Wars came and pretty much blew them out of the water. Yeah, but I guess that, what I mean. If there's another wizard book coming, it would have to do that, but because they're both space ish. Yeah. Well, and they also do have a lot of Star Trek conventions too, and there's a whole. whole huge group of people who do that also so yeah but i mean if you think yeah. about stuff like lord of the rings which had a huge following in its day and there are still tons of people who are into it i mean their fandom's not as active as like harry potter is but i don't think that lord of the rings lost any uh any you know fans to harry potter when it came out yeah well it's a fa- it's a fantasy genre also it's a huge genre that you know not one subject can take over yeah. well as far as what Andy brought up with new wizard books, I mean, has Aragon really taken anything away? I mean, I know it's not exactly the same type of a, of a story, but it hasn't really taken anything away from Harry Potter at all, I don't think. And that's kind of the it's next biggest thing I can think of that has come out around the same time. Yeah. I don't even think it's that as uh, big, though. And just a side note, which I think is kind of in- interesting, uh, for the longest time now, since the first Aragon book came out... Um, there was, it was supposed to be a trilogy. Yeah. Three books. <laughs> now the author has announced there's going to be a fourth book. <laughs> oh, really? All I'm thinking is, he, he wrote up a good explanation for why there's going to be a fourth. But all I'm thinking is, is this just a way to just pull some extra money? Like, I mean, you're adding a fourth book to your trilogy. I just doesn't make yeah. sense. That's kind of cheap. <laughs> it seems like he had it pretty well set from the beginning. So to add right. another book, I kind of agree with what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know. And, like, one last note on Twilight, just the impression that I've gotten. And, like, I have a couple of friends who read it. Um, and it just seems like it's something that's geared more towards girls, I think. I don't know what kind of effect that would have. But it just seems like Harry Potter would be a more widely encompassing fandom just because it attracts readers of both genders. And, like, I doubt that a whole bunch of guys are going to leave Harry Potter for Twilight. So can I be honest? I've never even heard of. Yeah, Twilight. what is Twilight? Really, it's. <laughs> I believe it's. It, it. I've never read it, but it's like a vampire romance novel. I have somebody here who reads it actually. The next email now comes from Lauren Fifteen of Omaha, Nebraska. She writes, "Hey, MuggleCast, I was just listening to the recent podcast, and I decided to look up what Richard Richard Harris said about Ian McKellen. So here's the exact quote, courtesy of IMDb." No one trusts me anymore. I spent half the movie my gray arguing with people, and I was accused of causing big onset rows. But what they won't tell you is I fought for Semenian. I fought for the maintenance of quality. I don't believe in lying down on the job. I've seen these so-called nice actors. They're very able fellows like Ian McKellen and Kenneth Branagh. But they're but they're like bank managers, so sweet and careful. Who needs them? We are suffering a plague of good taste. Give me Sean Penn and Mickey Rourke any day. They project danger. That's what makes acting and life interesting. Brutal words. Yeah, it's interesting that he said he mentioned Kenneth Branagh because he played Lockhart in the second film. It's like, I wonder what that must have made the set like. Well, you know, for the record, I mean, this could have been said before Harry Potter. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, Like, yeah, if they got together on the set and (laughs) Kenneth was like, so jerk. Thanks, jerk. Look who's starring alongside you now. Could you imagine though an entire set with with a bunch of Sean Penn and Mickey Rourke's though? No. I mean, everyone is going to have a black guy, at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next one comes from Julia13 of California, and uh, this is on my mistake last week. Hi there. On episode 121, you were talking about an unnamed Death Eater with a wheezy giggle. I was under the impression that this Death Eater was Amicus Caro. This was 
just what this was just I what this was just what I assumed from the CDs because I'm pretty sure that this Death Eater has the same voice given to him as Amicus. Love the show. Bye. So that clears yeah. up the mystery character. I think Andy, didn't you say that though last week yeah, too? I said that. So one to me. Oh, good work. <laughs> good work, Julian. Or er, <laughs> Andy. <laughs> and Are Julia. you saying Julia just copied off of you? Maybe. No. I I think I read it somewhere, so I can't really take credit for it. I think oh. Andy already discussed it on the Harry Potter fan zone cast. Oh. Sure did. And the last email today comes from Matthew seventeen of Biloxi, Mississippi. Uh, about our chapter-by-chapter chapter segment, talking about chapter one. I was listening to episode 121, and when y'all were doing the chapter-by-chapter, chapter, there was a detail that y'all did not address <laughs> on top of page four, U.S. edition. After Snape gives Voldemort the information on moving Harry and Voldemort u- using legitimacy on Snape, Voldemort begins the question, good, very good, and this information comes, but Snape interrupts with, from the source we discussed. I was wondering who the source could possibly be. No way it could be Dumbledore's portrait because he would have no way of knowing plans of the Order and it most likely would not go too well with Voldy if Snape was conversing with Dumbledore's portrait. Just wondering what you guys think. think thanks, Matthew. Uh, what I'm wondering guess? is why Andrew doesn't know how to say y'all. How do you say it? You were sitting there going, y'all. It's y'all. 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 You're going to Texas next summer. You need to learn how to say these things. You need to brush up on your colloquialism. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I'm. I definitely agree that it's not Dumbledore's portrait. Well, I thought it was Mondugus. I thought that was the whole point of Harry seeing that scene in the end. Oh. I yeah, I agree with Micah. I think that's what it would have to be. I can't think of anything else. I think the source should be almost in quotation marks because it's it's not a real source. It was just Snape sort of taking advantage of Mundungus. Yeah. Well, didn't Dumbledore and Snape discuss about this before they di- before he died too? Like they were going to move him on his birthday or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so maybe Snape just interrupted him before he could um, read his mind and said this before. Voldemort found out the truth or something. Right. But I yeah. still think there'd have to be somebody like between Snape and Voldemort. The source would have to be an actual person. And I don't think he would trust Dumbledore. You know? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's time to move on now to chapter by chapter. We're going to take on chapter two this week, which once you read it, it's, it's a very uh, basic chapter. I mean, Really, all that's happening here is Harry's in, still at the Dursley's house, and he picks up these two newspaper articles with, with of course, differing opinions on Dumbledore. So, you guys ready to go? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's go into it. Here we go. Um, few things I wanted to talk about this week. And we're going to go by the U.S. page numbers this week. Um, I guess... Maybe Andy can translate them if he wants to. Yeah, I'll try and find them. <laughs> okay. Um, first one, page 16. I'm sorry, but I have to do it. Um, oh, boy. In the beginning of the first article, titled Ambus Dumbledore Remembered, I quote... 21 in UK edition. Oh, thank you. I met Albus Dumbledore at the age of 11 on our first day at Hogwarts. Our mutual attraction 
was undoubtedly due to the fact that we both felt ourselves to be outsiders. Well, didn't he have pimples all over his face? That's he why he was perceived as an pox. outsider? Yeah. Dragon pox. Yeah, dragon no. pox. Well, okay, yes. You could say the mutual attraction is not uh, relationshipable, to create a new word. But <laughs> doesn't this suggest that that Elphil F how do you pronounce your name? Elphius? 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 I don't know. Elphius? Elphius. Yeah. Just call her elephant. That elephant <laughs> dog was um was attracted to Dumbledore in a romantic sort of way? Um, I mean not everybody's I gay. I, yeah, <laughs> I guess it's possible. Not to mention, just because you have a mutual attraction to somebody doesn't mean that it's sexual. Like, But Laura, because of recent events, I've been forced to assume things when I read the word attraction between <laughs> someone else and Dumbledore. Uh, I spe- especially mutual attraction. So what I'm trying to say here is, we knew all along that Dumbledore was gay right from the start of chapter two. No, we No, we didn't. didn't. Mutual attraction. Okay, friends have mutual attractions. Jeez. I cannot name one person I have a mutual attraction. You find attraction out one to. character you is have gay. Mutual and then attractions the to all of your world. friends. If I go up to a straight guy right now and I say, dude, I'm attracted to you. It's going to be but you wouldn't you're say gay. it that way because people like you take it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's something that we never really discussed after Deathly Hollows came out. Page twenty one. Harry thinks back to when he asked Dumbledore, what did he see when he looked into the mirror? And I thought it'd be fun to discuss it now, especially since we know Dumbledore is gay. Um, <laughs> Matt had something when, when this revelation was first revealed. Well, no, that was just the first question I had when you guys told me that Dumbledore was gay. After the the two hours of you guys screaming at us in the hotel room. Well, oh it took a while to convince you. Well, we didn't believe you at first. Well, I mean, come on. Okay, the first thing, seriously, you you were banging on the door. We opened it, and you screamed in my face, "He's gay!" Because it was big news. But actually, come to think, did we discuss this on the show afterwards? Um, I, feel I think like it came up a little it. bit. Yeah, in, a little bit, but not a lot. In Eric's whole, um, pick I for hate Slaughter Deathly thing. Hallows. I mean, now that we've seen the backstory. I would, in all seriousness, I would think he would actually see his his family. Oh yeah, like definitely. Harry. I think he would. I, I mean, I think he would see his family. You know, before they were broken. You know, it's not just seeing them, but it's seeing them as they were before all this terrible stuff befell them. Right. I think Joe actually said that. I'm not sure. Yeah, where, I'm but... sure. I'm sure she said something along those lines. It just, it only makes sense. Like there's. Yeah, and uh, after. This kind of comes after Harry is learns everything about Dumbledore's family in the in the first article that was written, and he realizes that this is really the only personal question that he has ever asked Dumbledore throughout the entire you know six years that he knew him. And what's interesting about it is that he knew Dumbledore lied when he said that he saw socks. So the only personal question that Harry ever asked Dumbledore, Dumbledore answered with a lie, and so. I just thought that was kind of interesting, given Eric's whole take about Harry being raised as sort of this pig for slaughter, and him never knowing really what Dumbledore's true intentions were throughout the course of the series. 
not just that, but he didn't know Dumbledore at all. Yeah. He just he just knew him as the headmaster. He yeah. he couldn't see into him. He couldn't understand anything from him. But I mean you think about other people who in your life who are authority figures and other people that you seek for advice, how often do you really ask them about their personal lives? Because if you start getting into personal lives with these people, it makes them so much more human. And I think that it wasn't necessarily just something that Dumbledore was keeping from Harry. I think that on a subconscious level, it was a way in which Harry could keep Dumbledore up on a pedestal, you know, like higher above everyone else. But at the same time, it started the process of lies, and it started the process of Dumbledore not being truthful with Harry just from that point. You know, already in Sorcerer's Stone, he's lying to Harry, and he's not telling him the truth. Yeah, but I think that's part of his humanity. Yeah, I think Laura brings up a a good point, though, about once you ask an elder or someone you look up to about their personal life, things do change. I mean, it's kind of like when you have that first dawning realization that your parents can't solve everything. You know, when you're a kid, you think that you can just run up to your parents and ask them and they know everything. And when something really serious or terrible happens and there's nothing they can do, it's kind of a shock. Yeah. But he's he's not really lying to Harry to be deceitful or anything. He's just, I suppose he's just not telling him that because he doesn't really think it's relevant then. Yeah. Well, at that point, yeah, I mean, he was too young, and how could you possibly get into that? I see my family, too, because dot, 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 you know, taking forever to explain everything. Yeah. But also more on what Laura was saying, maybe maybe Harry subconsciously just didn't want to know more, which is why he didn't ask any more personal questions, because I'm just trying to put myself into his position. If I had a relationship with my principal where he was guiding me, I don't know if I really would want to know more about his personal, like, it's just irrelevant. No, I mean, and it just feels somewhat inappropriate, you know, it's like walking up to your teacher and being like, hey, what'd you do last night? Like, it's weird. It's awkward to ask people questions about their personal lives. You stay very formal, and we see Harry continues to remain formal with Dumbledore throughout the books. I mean, he becomes angry with him, but it's only about things that pertain to Harry's personal life. So... I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Well, moving along, uh, there's another thing we want to talk about on page 26. I'm sorry, but I just had a dirty mind and I couldn't find anything else to bring up in here. I think it's 29 on UK edition. I think I know what you're talking about. Rita says, oh, now I'm glad you mentioned Grindelwald, says Skeeter with a tantalizing smile. I'm afraid those who go dewy-eyed over Dumbledore's spectacular victory must brace themselves for a bombshell or perhaps a dung bomb. Very dirty business indeed. Now, if you stop right there, you think, wait, did Rita actually know about the relationship between Grindelwald and Dumbledore? Like, in all seriousness, I read that back and stopped right there to write down the note. I didn't actually continue to read on. But I just, I I really wish Joe included a couple more hints about him. Because, like, that would have been a, a good opportunity. Like, somehow, if Rita Skeeter actually found out that he was gay... How would she find out, though? I don't think he told anyone. No, well... Came into his room as a beetle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Saw Dumbledore on the computer looking... <laughs> I don't think she was alive back then, but that's okay. No, you don't... Well, I'm talking about as of late. Um, I don't think Dumbledore got up to much in the last seven years. years. What do you mean, got up to much? 
<laughs> well, what I'm saying is, I don't think he had time for a romantic life during the time when he was raising Harry. Oh. I know, that's why I said he went on the computer. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> um, but anyway, if you if you read on this paragraph, it goes on to say, all I'll say is, don't be so sure that there really was the spe- spectacular duel of legend... After they've read my book, people may be forced to conclu- conclude that Grindelwald simply conjured a white handkerchief uh, from the end of his wand and came quietly. <laughs> you are true. so I mean. wrong. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Dirty minds. Uh, oh boy. So Andrew, why don't you enlighten us as to the meaning of this passage since you highlighted it? Well, in, no, Instead of well, giggling. I just told you, if you stop reading at very dirty business indeed, one could assume, after finding out that Dumbledore's gay, one could assume that, that there was there was Joe dropping us a hint, and also Rita Skeeter somehow found out. It would have been fun to analyze how Rita could have possibly found out. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't um, do this other passage either, the one right after what? it, about what? Harry. Why? Uh, well... Uh, well Hold on. Can yeah. I just... It's been called unhealthy, even sinister. Well, yeah. About their relationship. <laughs> Dumbledore, she says, Dumb- she Dumbledore says the whole Potter Dumbledore un- relationship. Yeah. There's no question that Dumbledore took an unnatural interest in Potter from the word go. So maybe Rita did know. And I'm not even kidding. Like, what if Rita actually did find out? I think if she did, it would have come out in the book, though. Like, there would be no reason for her to keep that quiet. I think that what I think what she's assume what she's trying to do the angle she's trying to play up is that Dumbledore has had connections to dark wizards in the past, and I think that she's trying to lead people to assume that he's guiding this boy who's supposed to defeat Voldemort. Yet there was a time where he had this very Nazi esque view of the way the world should work. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the very so, dirty business I thought had to deal with uh, his sister's death and them not really yeah. knowing. How she died. Mm. Yeah, but well, probably also I can the see how that, that can be interpreted in a different uh, way. Uh, oh well, probably the dirty business also was probably um, the um, things that Dumbledore and Grindelwald did together too. Just the um, just the fact that no one really knew how um, how good friends they were and how well they knew each other mm-hmm. and all those other things. Okay, so moving on to page 29, we get to the part where uh, Dumbledore, or sorry, Harry sees Aberforth in the mirror for a flash of a second, but at that time, Harry assumes it's Dumbledore. And did anyone think that it actually was Dumbledore? I did. Not, mm. I really hoped it was, but I don't yeah. think I ever believed it. I didn't buy like, that it was Dumbledore, but I wasn't sure who it was at the same time either, like... Because we had this. Sorry. Sorry. I just, like, I trusted Joe when she said that he was dead, you know? And, like, the only real way that. I mean, and we even saw, like, she was true to her word. You know, you can't bring the dead back. We had the portrait, and then we had Harry's dream slash epiphany at King's Cross. So he never really came back. Yeah. And she does it right in the last sentence of the chapter when she says that, you know. If anything was certain, it was that the bright blue eyes of Albus Dumbledore would never pierce him again. Okay, so, well, 
Well, no, I'm just saying, as far as Dumbledore returning, I that's kind of what did it for me when she said that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But how could how could Harry be certain? Why would he be so certain? I mean... Because he watched him die. But he had thought he had just seen his eyes, so what? Because remember how on the show we were even talking about what if there is a special connection with the two-way mirror? What if we're going to see it again? And it's it's going to be Dumbledore helping Harry via the mirror. Didn't we discuss that on the show? Uh, we discussed Sirius helping Harry via the mirror because oh, right. um, there was that big theory going around for a long time that Sirius had taken the mirror through the veil with him. But right, he, he yeah. clearly did not. Um, I I just don't think it was Dumbledore. I didn't think it was Dumbledore because we knew that there was really no way for the dead to use that mirror. Like, you're dead. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a state in which you can readily communicate with people in that fashion, I don't think. I thought it would be good to bring up uh, looking at both of the articles since despite what Harry thought, there were truths about Dumbledore in both of them. And, you know, maybe we could just take a look at, at some of the basics that were in them. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, it's interesting because usually when you look at something, you know, too pieces of media in which you have very different extremes, it's usually pretty safe to assume that the truth lies somewhere in the middle, which is pretty much what it ended up being. You know, of course, Dumbledore's good friend is going to say nothing but good things about him. Yeah. And he's not going to confirm any of the, you know, questionable things about his past. But at the same time, you know, a critic like Skeeter, she's going to, like, attack him every chance she can get. Yeah. I mean, the one thing about the first article was just that, you know, everyone could, everyone who was reading that article, like us, the real people, um, we sort of, we were like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, I remember that too. You know, it was very, like, bittersweet sort of Mm -hmm. way to remember Dumbledore. But what I find interesting, and this might come off wrong, is that whenever someone does die, you do nothing but talk about some of the best things about the person. Um, right. But as a side note, there was the the football player who died earlier this week, Sean Taylor. Um, and there was actually his former football coach from high school was on CNN talking badly about him. And I was like, what? You would actually do this? Yeah, I mean, you really ru- you really run into that kind of thing with heavily influential figures. Like, if you look at the death of Princess Diana, for instance, you had people, they were either on one side or the other. They loved her or they hated her. And they made it very clear how they felt about her in the days after her death. They still right. make it very clear. And I think that that's just kind of a point that Joe was trying to bring up, that somebody who had as much pull in the wizarding world as Dumbledore, you know, he was going to have people who loved him unconditionally and people who criticized his every move. Yeah. Yeah. And we get the first pieces of information as well in uh, Doge's article about his family because up till this point, we really, other than Aberforth, didn't know anything about Dumbledore's family. So it gives us a brief insight into eventually what we learn more about later on uh, in the book. Right. And it turns out to be some of the most important information, too. Right. Yeah. So, but we just did not know it yet. It, it was very interesting how Joe brought us through those two articles, and I really liked how we got such two such differing 
opinions. Yeah. Like, it was just right. very, very good writing. Yeah. And I like how Rita Skeeter brought up the fact that, you know, Dumbledore was in the dark arts and he wasn't always as broad-minded as <clears throat> everyone thought he was. And then, you know, you have Harry at the end of the chapter saying that this is all lies and it's not true and it ends up being true in the end. Right. Yeah. We'll do favorite quotes now and we got some emails. Um, the one, uh, my favorite of the chapter was when <laughs> when Rita says people were queuing to dish the dirt on Dumbledore anyway. And that made me angry. I was like, do, do you think that was really true or do you think uh, Rita was just doing that to sell her book? I think it was probably true of a couple of people, but yeah. I mean, that's the main difference that you notice with these two articles when we're reading them. One is meant to provide a, you know, a quick overview, a nice fluffy piece about Dumbledore's life. And then the other is just pushing a book and yeah. it's just using his name, slapping his name on it to make money. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, but the the thing that just got me was people were lining up. Like, I I actually had a visual of people lining up, and Rita was sitting at a table, just taking all these notes, all this dirt on Dumbledore. Mm. It's she also, she she exaggerates too, though. We know that. Yeah, yeah. It's something like oh, somebody definitely. like Lucius Malfoy would, you know, be apt to go ahead and just dish the dirt on Dumbledore. I think. Right. I wonder if other very big influential characters died, like if, like say Lucius or, or maybe, uh, um, who else? Fudge, McGonagall, uh, Fudge, yeah. Uh, if there would be all this dirt suddenly revealed about the person, you know what's interesting a- about that? I always thought we were gonna find out, find some dirt on Fudge. Because of the quibbler, like all those little things in the quibbler. Like, I always kind of figured that Joe threw that in there to kind of give us a few grains of truth and that we were going to find out all this stuff about Fudge. Yeah. We never really did. Who put this next quote in? I did. The locket was accorded this place of honor not because it was valuable. In all usual senses, it was worthless, but because of what it had cost to attain it. So, I just thought that was a sentimental quote when, uh, you know, Harry yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember when I read that when we were all together. It, I like, I felt my heart sink. I didn't cry at that point. Okay, <laughs> I was only fifteen pages in. <laughs> oh, I cried when so I thought Harry was going to die. You cried when you were fifty pages out and thought Harry was still going to die. Well, you yeah. never know, and it was worse because some people were laughing at me. I was L M A Oing, to be honest. <laughs> But um, there's another point I want to bring up about that, but it's in one of the emails. Well, um, this is a quote that I picked out because I think it sums up a ring that Rita Skeeter stands for. It's, oh, my dear, Beam Skeeter, wrapping me affectionately across the knuckles. You know as well as I do how much information can be generated by a fat bag of galleons, a refusal to hear the word no, and a nice, sharp, quick quotes quill. Yeah, that is perfect, Rita, for you right yeah. there. Um, let's move on to emails for chapter two. This was sent in by our; these were sent in by our listeners this week. Uh, the first one comes from Hannah, sixteen of Pennsylvania. She writes, "Hey guys, I just wanted to make a comment on chapter two for your discussion. This chapter is one of my favorites in the entire book for the reason that it displays one of the prevalent themes of the books that our predetermined beliefs blind us from the truth." 
When we first read the chapter, we compare to articles written by Rita Skeeter and Elephant Dog. Immediately, we side with Dodge's point of view because of our past negative experiences with her and because of our connection with Dog, who was a friend of Dumbledore's. Because we identify with Dog, we assume that his view is the correct of and that Rita, as she often has been before, is wrong. However, after we... Uh, read the entire book. It is clear that though she embellished the many facts, Rita's account of Dumbledore is actually more factual than Dog's rose-colored picture of a kindly old man. Hindsight is twenty twenty, I guess. Sorry if this was long-winded, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, that's a good point. That's basically what we're talking about. Yeah. These two very contrasting views, and we're like, oh, pfft, Rita, get yeah. out of here. Yeah, and I think Joe was taking advantage of the fact that we were in the same position as Dodge was. Yeah, yeah. Dog, you mean? His name's a dog. It's Dodge. On today's show, it's Elephant Dog. <laughs> what? Next email comes from Kimberly, oh. 18, from New York. She writes, hey, guys, first I want to say that you are all amazing, and even though you probably hear it all the time, you really have done such a great job with the show. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Thank you. That's so sweet. Anyway. <laughs> what? Not I really. thought that anyway, it was... No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's no! so sweet. Anyway. Sorry. I didn't mean it that way. Whatever. I thought that it was really nice the way in which J.K. Rowling got us back into Harry's point of view. He's at the Dursleys and he's miserable, just like he always is there. Yet, this is the last time he will be there, so it is in an odd sort of way special. Not even getting to the whole Dumbledore background story that is the focus of this chapter, I really enjoyed all the reminiscent things that go on in the very beginning. It seems like it's J.K.'s own special way of saluting to various memories from previous books as Harry is going through his trunk, pulling out books, quills, and much more. Right away, we know that this book is going to be very serious and intense because of all the light and happy things that we have seen in the previous books have to be abandoned now. In this sense, Harry is leaving his childhood forever, and for the typical Harry Potter fangirl, moments like these totally grab our hearts. I know that that probably sounds really sappy, but I figured since most of the discussion will be focused on the opening into Dumbledore's background, it's something different to read at least. Thanks for reading, and once again, you guys are amazing. Good luck to everyone on your upcoming exams. I'm in the same boat as Laura and Andrew, finishing up the first semester at college. Cheers and happy holidays. Oh, good luck to you, too. Oh, that's so sweet. Really, it is. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Micah. <laughs> yeah, I was actually looking at that. Like, you, if he's, like, going through, like, little things in his trunk. He finds the, um, what was it? Cedric Diggory, the real Hogwarts champion, Potter Stinks badges. Um, the Sneakoscope. Yeah, he just oh, found... Yeah. It was, like, going through all of these, you know, old memories, and you know that he's leaving it behind, like you said. Yeah. And that was just one small part in the in the whole entire book, and I'm sure we'll point them out as we continue this series of chapter by chapter, where, you know, Harry's just seeing all these things from the past. I mean, the example I keep going back to is Oliver Wood. He just he just pops out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And all these little things are in here just to remind us of the series. And it really gave the book a different feeling. It gave it gave the book throughout the entire book, you got a real closure feeling seeing all these things again you know well pretty much every character in the series made a cameo in this book didn't they right yeah Mm -hmm. except for madame maxime oh yeah like she just kind of didn't appear anywhere (laughs) 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 which is really interesting seeing as she's a giant i would think she'd be kind of hard to miss Ooh, hey next email comes from ashley 18 of virginia she writes, isn't it interesting that Harry is left to reflect on the jadiness about Dumbledore and the way he, Harry, 
He, Harry, was never able to make the best of his time with Dumbledore. And most of the readers feel the same way. There's so much we hope to learn, but time ran out far too quickly. It's such a feeling that I find great comfort in the similarity, but not just about Dumbledore, but the series as a whole. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's another good point. We were sort of talking about that earlier. This next email comes from Nina, 14 of Missouri. She says, Hi, I'm writing in for the chapter by chapter for chapter two of Deathly Hallows. In this chapter, Harry reads the interview with Rita Skeeter, but how was Rita writing anything in the first place? I thought Hermione had shut her up for good in Gobbled of Fire, as was demonstrated in Order of the Phoenix when Rita wrote for the Quibbler. What happened? I guess Hermione didn't follow through on her threats. Actually, that was because Hermione said at the end of Goblet of Fire that she had to keep her quill to herself for a year. Yep. So. And she's yeah. not really writing for the Daily Prophet. Yeah, she, she wasn't writing about Harry either. Book. Plus, I'm sure that Hermione wouldn't want to draw attention to themselves at this point in time. Like, it's just having all this information about Dumbledore come out is just one more thing to distract from Harry. So I guess it's kind of like a way of keeping them safe. Just another form of protection because people are... People might be more yeah. invested in hearing about Dumbledore. And, you know, someone other than Rita is probably making some money off of this. So mm-hmm. uh, they could have brought her back pretty easily if, you know, money was involved. We're going to start something new here on the chapter by chapter segment. It's called Quote Quiz. That was good. Quote Quiz, 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 quiz. Quote, quote, quiz, 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 quiz. Um, so what we're going to do is, um, to get everyone excited about the following week's chapter, we will, um, pick out a quote from the next chapter, in this case, chapter three, and we won't say who said it and we'll make you guys guess and we'll make you guys play at home. It'll be a lot of fun. Now, of course, of course, you know, this isn't a competition because anyone could just open the book and find the answer, but just, just for you guys to play at home just for fun. Um, first one. This comes from chapter three. Guess the quote. Guess who said it? Very clever of you, sir. Very clever. I personally would be utterly bamboozled by all those buttons and knobs. Who is the speaker and who is being spoken to? All right. This has been quote quiz, 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 quiz. Okay. So next week we'll be discussing chapter three, the Dursleys departing. It features one of the most random quotes you will ever see in this entire Harry Potter series. It left everyone going, what the? Yeah. Fudge. I don't know what you're talking about. But... Yeah, me neither. Um, isn't that the chapter where Dudley says, I'll miss you, Harry? Oh, oh, oh well, yeah. We're going to wrap things up with the chicken soup today. This week's chicken soup for the Muggle Castle comes from Elizabeth. She writes, Dear Muggle Casters, Compared to some of the other beautiful chicken soup stories, this one might seem a little pointless, but I'm going to go with it anyway. A few months ago, I was very low. That might not sound too dramatic, but it's the best way I can describe it. I'm sure you know that feeling, being clutched in, the claws of something dark. Not feeling a part of yourself, your friends, your world. Sometimes at night, just to stop myself from crying once more, I would turn on the MuggleCast and focus on some familiar, friendly voices. The contentment of Harry Potter talk would bring me, plus the ramblings of a handful of simply amazing people would comfort me. I'm not depressed anymore, and right now I'm with a fantastic guy who really understands. 
I just can't tell him about my unrequited love for Jamie, of course. Thank you, MuggleCast, for being with me in some bleak and lonely times. I wanted to write you guys a poem, but in the thralls of writer's block, this is the best I could do. All my love and more, Elizabeth. And she did write a very lovely poem called A World Within a World for MuggleCast, and uh, we've put that up on the site. So... Thank you for that. But it's time to remind everyone about our contact information. Laura, if someone wants to send us parcel mail, how do they do that? You can send that to P.O. Box 3151, Cumming, Georgia, 30028. You can also call the MuggleCast hotline in the United States. The number is 1218-20-MAGIC. In the United Kingdom, it's 020-8144-0677. And if you're in Australia, you can dial 020 and uh, we'll get to some voicemail soon. I know Kevin's still trying to fix the Skype voicemail box. Speaking of Skype, uh, you can also contact us via that program. Just use the username MuggleCast. And remember, no matter how you're going to contact us via voice, keep your message under 60 seconds and eliminate as much background noise as possible so we can put you on the show. You can also visit MuggleCast.com for a handy feedback form to contact any one of us at our first name at staff.mugglenet.com. Contact Andy, it is... Webmaster at HarryPotterFanZone.com And to... Uh, Matt, Matt's got a... Yeah, Matt B at staff.mugglenet.com I don't know. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> Come on. You log into it. Oh. Don't you? Oh, it's uh, Matthew B. Matthew B. Yeah, oh, you guys couldn't okay. have said Matt at MuggleNet.com. You had to say Matthew B. Because when <laughs> Mikey gave me a list of the transcribers, he gave me Matthew. And there was already a Matthew at staff, so it had to be Matthew B. And I remember you emailing me. You were like, hey, dude, you can call me Matt, man. My name's Matt. Yeah. What's up, Matthew? It's probably Matthew Emily's B. fault. <laughs> I'm Matthew <laughs> B. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mikey B. That's probably Emily. <laughs> oh, yeah, it probably was Emily. It wasn't Micah. Former staff member, Emily. Um, you can also visit MuggleCast.com for all of our community outlets, including MySpace, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Frapper, Last.fm, and the MuggleCast fan listing. Also, don't forget to dig the show at dig.com. Vote for us one for... Vote for us once a month at Podcast Alley. It is a new month, uh, December, so be sure to place your vote over there. And rate and view, review us at Yahoo Podcasts. And don't forget, there's also subscription links, including the new Zoom link. So I think that wraps up the show for today. It was a short show compared to recently. And the co-hosts suck this week. Fuck Except for Matt that. and Andy. Thanks for joining us this week. Oh, thank you. Um, Andrew. <laughs> you're welcome, Matt. <laughs> uh, don't forget, Andy's over at HarryPotterFanZone.com running the the Harry Potter website of choice for Australians. Yep. Isn't that what you like to call it? Uh, yeah, I like playing that up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Mike Tannenbaum. I'm Andy McCray. And I'm Matthew B. <laughs> we'll see everyone next week for episode 123. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Sorry, I forgot to tell you about that too. I need to write yeah. up a book, the Mo- the Mongo Cast guest host, host yeah. manual, Handbook. yeah, the idiot's guide. How to say <laughs> your, yeah, the idiot's guide. I should get that.